Hey, what's up? It's your girl Tanaka Johnson, and this is Sit With That Podcast. So if your girl sounds a little different today, it is because I am not in my home studio today. And that's my walk-in closet. (laughs) I'm actually on the go recording this podcast because I promised myself that I would bring you new content either every week or every other week. So I'm here for that. And I wasn't coming, I wasn't going to record because I had been going through some challenging stuff, friend. I'm trying to tell you. And I was convicted because God reminded me that the reason for starting this podcast was to be transparent, was to be vulnerable, was to share things that challenged me, that confronted me and ultimately changed me in a hope that it would impact you. That something that I say can impact you in a positive way. So I'm here for this. I had a challenging week or let's say just a challenging month. I faced some things with my son. I have doctors speculating things about my health. I had three close friends to lose loved ones. It has been one thing after another thing after another thing. And I was reminded of several stories, but three really short ones I want to share with you today. One of them is, so about three years ago, I was going through, major going through, and I went to uh, who I call my radio mentor. His name's Roy Patterson. And I go to his office and I'm coming in pouting and I'm like, oh, woe is me. I'm going through this. Why can't I get a break? Haven't I already gone through enough? And I wanted, I went in expecting to be consoled in some way. And his response to me was, have you ever thought that God's talking about you behind your back? Huh? was my response that God's talking about me behind my back. And I stood there and in that moment, the Holy Spirit reveals to me what he's saying. He's talking about Job. Now, nobody signs up to be Job before the reward, right? Everybody signs up to be Job after the reward. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, so what you saying? I got an attitude at this point. So what you saying? And he's like, you know, you're trying to do everything right. You're living right before the Lord. You're doing your best to, you know, operate in the fruits of the spirit. You're making sure that you're trying to, you know, forgive those that sin against you and you operate in integrity you know it's just he's just encouraging me and I'm like wow you know and where's the blessing to have you around here and I'm like wow and I start feeling better and then there's this thing that that statement came back to mind have you ever thought that God's talking about you behind your back you know in my mind talking behind my back has always had a negative idea associated with it like someone saying something bad about me but never anyone saying anything good about me so I said wow he's like yeah you know maybe God said have you ever considered my servant Tanaka 
because he knows that you will not deny him in the face of tragedy and stress and distress and hope deferred and attacks on your body and attacks on your children and attacks on your money, you will not deny him. And I was fabricasted. What? I've never thought about that before. So, you know, I've heard stories about David and Solomon and Joseph and all these great men, Noah and Jonah. But you hear the story of Job, but never from this perspective. Never have I put myself in that particular statement that God makes to Satan. Have you considered my servant Tanaka? So that's the first story. I want to know if you're going through things, if you're going through major, major challenges, will you deny God? And have you considered that God may be talking about you behind your back? Here's the second thing. So I'm reading. I read all the time. I'm reading a new book called Cry Like a Man, Fighting for freedom from emotional incarceration. So this has everything to do with my run-in with my son. And I want to read this to you. I'm going to try to be quick. So it's just really good. And I'm like, oh God, this is amazing. And this is just the Ford. And just so you know, I'm not being paid for this. I just want to share with you guys to see if it impacts your life in any way. I was relieved when I met Jason Wilson and heard his story and revelation. I clearly related well to his story, but I admit I never knew I could be delivered from what he so eloquently refers to as emotional incarceration. The way I grew up, I couldn't help but be callous and numb. I was young black man searching for identity in my surroundings. Little did I know who I was and would become would be later found on the inside. The most defining years of my youth were spent living in South Philadelphia in the housing project called the Pusquane Homes. It was a low income housing meant primarily for women and children, but some men were allowed to live there. A few, a few of the couples were even married. It was very active neighborhood and criminal behavior was at a high value. Drug dealers and their associates occupied many of the street corners. They demanded respect from everyone and was ready to render a consequence to anyone failing to demonstrate that respect. These were the only men available to teach me about manhood. The married and the responsible men were around too, but somehow they remained out of my reach. I'd watch them leave the projects in the morning as they went, as I went to school and they went to work. And I'd notice them return later that afternoon while we were outside playing. They were always coming or going, never stopping or talking, never correcting or advising. They just seemed to not care as they passed by. It may have been the only way they knew how to keep themselves focused and committed. 
the dealers, on the other hand, were always around and ready to instruct me on how to be a man, how to gain respect and provide for my loved ones. They stressed to me the importance of having money. They said the more money I had was equal to me having more power, and that power is what people respected. I was taught that crying is a form of weakness, and I should avoid it at all costs. I was made to believe it was the only way I'd survive in such an unstable and hostile environment. So, when my beloved grandfather died, I didn't cry. When my friend Amanda was raped and murdered by her stepfather, I still remember the weight of that pain today. I didn't cry. When my favorite cousin, Buggy, was shot and killed over less than one ounce of marijuana, I refused to let the tears flow. I thought strength was measured by how well I could hold back my tears under pressure. Even at the age of 15, when I was shot by two guys on my way home to the projects, I didn't cry. Eight shots. Three hit me at point-blank range. No tears. I turned and watched them run away, and all I could think was about how angry and betrayed I felt. I hadn't done anything to deserve this. I had never shot anyone. I was a dealer. I wasn't a thief. I wasn't a dealer. Just an inspiring rap artist hoping to get money the legal way. Tragedy after tragedy, PTSD, and a porn addiction all before the age of 16. I never knew how to properly process my emotions. I still don't know at times. However, an encounter I had with the Most High at age 20 showed me that my identity is found not in my own strength, but in His. His words have taught me the true manhood is seen in my ability to make mature decisions, live a disciplined life, and be a servant to others. Instead of possessing a careless, self-serving, self-preserving mindset, many men today who share my past experience feel like there's no way to cope with pain and hurt other than violence, reckless living, and passivity. I believe Mr. Wilson's efforts to inspire, empower, and educate through his story will help many men feel our way through the trauma we've experienced so we can process and express our emotions in a healthy way. Now, this is a story, the foreword of this book by a Christian hip-hop artist. This story was so impactful for me with something I was facing with my son. So here's the next story. It's another story from a book. I'll try to make this short. It is, okay, so how does this story go? Um, it is by a colleague of mine who is getting ready to release a book very soon. I won't say his name now, but I will when the book is released because I'll come and let you guys know how you can get a copy of it and what the name of it is. But here's a story from that book that impacted me in a major way on this week. There's a young man 
who is a young boy, I'm sorry, who is about five, six years old. He loves his grandparents because who doesn't when your grandparents, when you're in a stable home, at least when your grandparents uh, come get you or come around, they usually have snacks. They're going to give you money. They're going to give you all the things that maybe your parents won't permit you to have. So this young man loved them and he spent lots of time with them and he enjoyed their company. And every time they would leave his presence, he would jump in their arms and give them a great big hug and a great big kiss. So, you know, eventually he had to grow up. He's 12, almost 13 now. He's a teenager. And what teenager wants to hang out with their grandparents? So grandparents would come over and he'd always, whenever they got ready to leave, he'd always grab them, give them a great big kiss, and they'd be on their way. This, this time that their uh, grandparents came over to the house, he gave them that great big, hit, great big kiss and that great big hug on their way out. Unbeknownst to him, that would be the last time that he saw his grandfather. His grandfather uh, died that night. He left him. He was, we don't know all of the, I don't know all of the details as to how he died, but his grandfather died on that night. And his father, the young boy's father, later began to ask him, you know, why did you always give a granddad that great big kiss and that great big hug all the time. And his response to his dad was, I always wanted to give them a good goodbye. And that last time before, the last time he saw his father, he gave him, his grandfather, he gave him a good goodbye. You never know when someone's going to leave this earth. Life is but a vapor. I challenge you to forgive today. I challenge you to overlook offense. I challenge you to not let the sun go down on your wrath because life is but a vapor. The next time you're with someone that you love, be sure to give them a good goodbye. Because we don't know. We're not the author and the finisher. We don't know our beginning and we definitely don't know our end. But my God, be sure to give people that you love a good goodbye. That was the second story on this week that I heard that sat with me. And it is changing me as we speak. My husband and I, when we used to drive our car together in one car together, we would not depart each other's presence without giving each other a kiss or a hug. And he'd jump out the car, I'd jump over into the driver's seat, and I'd be off on my way to work, and I'd come pick him up. And then we're off on our way, we're on our way home together because we're sharing a car. We got into, we, God blessed us with two cars where sometimes he leaves, a lot of times he leaves before me. I may not know what he has on that day. Thank God he wears a uniform. But the last time I may have seen him was the day, the night before. So I'm challenging myself even now to make sure that I give my husband and my children a good goodbye because we never know 
what the next day may hold. So that's my challenge for you. Give your loved ones a good goodbye. This last story. um, What was my last story that I wanted to share with you guys? I think that may have been all three. So, you know, we always go into Tanaka's quotes and notes portion of this. But I don't have that for today. What I do have for you is that challenge. Be sure to give your loved ones a good goodbye every day as much as you can because life is but a vapor. We don't know what tomorrow holds for us. I challenge you to forgive those that have sinned against you. Forgive those that have broken your heart. Forgive. Just forgive because you've been forgiven. I challenge you to overlook offense. We're going to be offended, but overlook it. I want you to, some man that you know, to encourage him to let his emotions go. Don't keep them in bondage. That it's okay to cry. That it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to share with someone, talk to someone about what's going on on the inside. That they can help you process what you're going through. And this last thing was, have you ever thought that maybe God is considering you because of all the great things that you've done, all the work that you've done to be righteous before him, that you've been integral, that you've cared and you've dealt with things, you've dealt with people in a a good, godly way that he said, have you considered my servant blank? Now, the reward for Job was great. It was double what he had before he lost everything. And of course, he went through major changes in that process. And we see that when we read that in the word. But he didn't deny God. And God knew that he could trust that Job would not deny him in the face of these challenges. So that's all I got for you today. I pray that something that I said today, even though they weren't necessarily my stories, that something I said today would impact you in a positive way. Until next time, sit with that.